Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from August 29th, 2021. Let's go, man. Let's just hit record. This is that we've been recording, man. Oh, we have been? Yeah, we've got... After stopping after 15 minutes of nonsense, I started again for another 26 minutes of nonsense. <laughs> so <laughs> you're the math guy. I'm not sure how that works out, but that's many too many minutes of nonsense. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm back. He's back. <laughs> we, we've, just, we've had a lot of nonsense here. We've been, we've been trying to record this podcast for 12 hours. It is. It's now 3 a.m. Sometimes on, it takes a minute to just kind of get your groove. You've yeah. been out of the groove. I've been so out of the groove. I've been listening. I, I have a feeling... I'm afraid that my presence on this podcast right now is going to be shocking for the eight people who listen every week. It's going to be it's going to be a little jarring. Yeah. After a few weeks of me and Jeff, you and Jeff are just so you're so calm and so you you just feel so safe. It's like a warm blanket. I was listening to you guys and just thinking, oh, this is this is what safety feels like i was i was laughing after our last recording thinking even when one of us says something funny and we laugh the response is like (laughs) (laughs) like when you and jeff are doing it yes yeah yeah so wait wait, so what's the response when we're being ridiculous i mean we you know we when you and i are doing it it's more of a more of a guffaw if you will a guffaw a a more like explosive response where we're I mean, I've said it before. Jeff, Jeff, and I have a little more of an NPR late night jazz classics, jazz standards <laughs> vibe. vibe. Yeah. You never actually described my vibe. I don't know what it is. It's more of a. Uh, I'm gonna go three like year old LA, LA three-year-old LA shock jock. Vibe. Is that what it is? LA shock. Well, yeah. Full disclosure, Robbie was saying. So, what do you want to talk about? Like, what's been going on? And I, I have been. Uh, I said I've been working on a Liam Neeson impression. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to tease into that. I'm yeah, glad you went in. Yeah, no, 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 I just dive right in. I, I can't. No, I can't. I'm not there yet. Um, but I had been working on my uh, Eddie Vedder sings Cranberries hits. That one, mm-hmm. that had a rocky start yesterday. But um, it was touch and go. Yeah. for a while there. It was, but I recovered this one. I felt like could, today I was could, better. You could see greatness from there, but you had not arrived. Yeah. So I've been gone and. Um, this is the nonsense hasn't gotten better. So after trying to get started here and we just kept having nonsense and I said, well, just, we just got to start and then it'll be better. Um, that was wrong, but I've been gone. Like I've been on vacation and so that was, uh, that was great. And so did you have a good uh, trip? I did. That's awesome. I did. Um, we were, uh, yeah, we got to, we got to do a lot of fun things like, you know, float down a river, mountain bike, kayak, you know, which that is funny because awesome. like nobody looks at my family and says, "Oh, they're the super outdoorsy family," and we're not. Like when I say float down a river, I mean we floated. <laughs> when I say kayak, I mean like we float just float down a river. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, we actually kayaked out in a, uh, a was it the Puget Sound. I don't know. Huh. It was a little scary. It was. Uh, That's like doesn't that like become open water basically uh-huh. if you're not careful yeah and we're rowing. so we're yeah well i don't want to go into there's there's definitely sermon illustrations in here but i will say this that we were at our friend's house and they live near the water and so we went down there and they 
just I, I realized as I was kayaking, this is where they had pointed the day before and saying, oh, that's where a pod of orcas goes through. And that's where we have, we watch the whales as they kind of come through around the island. And I all of a sudden thought, oh. Dude, a pod of orcas would be amazing because they let you stand right on their nose when they go up out of the water. Have you experienced that? I've seen that. I haven't personally experienced I've seen it though. I've seen it live. I have no interest in doing that. All you have to do is like carry some, like some little anchovies to reward them. Afterwards. I was fresh out of anchovies. Well, all I had was my best that daughter. You didn't encounter any then? Yeah, all you did is your daughter. That's it. She like, this is all I have to offer. Yeah. Killer yeah. whale. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can. Can I please stand on your nose? I don't think I. I would not. I don't know what would have happened, but uh, so so yeah, it was good. And uh, you know, and then we got to stay in such um, amazing places like the Bismarck Walmart parking lot. I so. hear that's the one of the more elegant of the Walmart parking lots. Yeah, in North Central North Dakota. Yeah, in Central North it's, Dakota. It's yeah. one of the it's one of the premier parking lots in Central North Dakota. Because we did, we compared it to Dickinson between, between both of the parking lots in yeah. Central North Dakota. Yeah. it's the better one between the Bismarck and the Dickinson Walmart parking lots. We chose, you know, because we're just high end people. That's just who we are. <laughs> like we stay, roll. you know, we're gonna choose. We're gonna keep it classy. Yeah. Yeah, I tell Lauren, nothing but the best for her. We're staying in the ritzy Walmart parking lot. None of these shady Walmart parking lots. So that's that was it. There and we're go. back. Right we're back. It was so good, good to, to be back. back. Yeah, it was Sunday was so good. It was such a good Sunday. It was. It was I'm I'm glad you made it back for Sunday. Yeah, we got to do worship in the park, and we got to have a few baptisms, and it was just good to see everybody. I was. I was caught off guard by how far back people sat. Like we set up those benches to kind of mark the first row. Oh yeah. And if those were the first row, then people started sitting in the 28th row. Correct. And, and it was a good, it was a good group. Like it was a good crowd. It just, yes. they just went all the way. I'm thinking they were like back into the campground. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided I'm not, I'm not standing where and then I realized after like about a part way through the sermon, um, that I they had drawn me out right into the sun. That's correct. Mm-hmm. I think they did it on purpose. Well, I mean, initially we had so much cloud cover that you didn't. It wasn't until like halfway yeah, they through ambushed the, me. the sermon that the sun even came out. So really, technically, the clouds ambushed you. They they went into mm-hmm. full retreat after they had you in position. Agree to disagree. All right. So, was there any, was there anything in the so so I I chose Psalm fifty one partly because I mean it was in our reading plan yeah but then I also thought I was on a I was on a short week and I I thought hey let's just go with you know an oldie but a goodie yeah it's I mean it's arguably I I mean certainly in the top ten most familiar psalms certainly I mean we without even realizing it those of us who grew up in church sang it. Yes. And, and so it is, it's recognizable that, that always carries with it like pros and cons, right? I mean, you mentioned that when you taught on Psalm 23, right? that the, the hyper familiarity with that both makes that feel like comfortable, but also makes it kind of easy to dismiss. So, um, but I feel like that's, I mean, that that's also bad in Psalm 23, but in Psalm 51 is such a heart level song, a Psalm, like a, well, also a song. Um, but like, 
like confessional, like deep root level. So it feels like there's more danger in trivializing or dismissing that. How, what, how do you encourage someone who says like, it's hard for me to connect to this because it's so familiar. Like I've just heard it so many times. It doesn't quite carry the same weight. I mean, I think that's always, so yes, that's a challenge. I would say I would love for that to be a problem more often. Oh, right on. Like I would yeah. love for us to be so familiar with scripture that you're like, every time you're like, oh yeah, of course I hear that. And, and I get that way. And I'm sure you do too. Where like, if I'm writing a sermon and I, and I'm trying to make a point based on a text and I think of other supporting texts, I will go to, you know, there'll be a bunch that'll you know maybe come into my head and then I'll feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm using going to that text again. Like I'm doing that again. But then I think, well, that's, that's good and because that's the reason why it's there is because it because I'm so familiar with it and yeah. because it's and what I found is that it's those texts that I end up getting some of the best aha moments because mm. they're so familiar that you can kind of get lulled into thinking like well I've never um I'm I've never like I've basically mined all the depths of this and then you realize holy cow I I'm so familiar with this passage and yet this, I never saw it from this angle. And, you know, obviously we want to be careful because we don't want to just measure it based on the, um, like having a new fresh word and like some new take Mm. on this. Like, I don't ever want it that to be the case. Um, but, but that can happen. Um, but the other thing is that, so here's another, another way that I go about that when I run into a text that I'm really familiar with most of the time we're really familiar with the parts of scripture that are the most core to the faith. There's a reason they become really familiar. They become really familiar because it's like, so when John three 16 becomes very familiar because you're hard pressed to find too many verses in the Bible that so summarize the gospel. And so when, when we're trying to teach someone how to follow Jesus or to teach someone the faith, we're going to go to those really dense um, versus like, yes, can you read through Leviticus and get a really strong understanding of redemption and atonement and that hundred percent does that do, is that as helpful in like, you got one, one minute to say something to somebody as Romans five, eight. No, like, so, so those really familiar passages are familiar because of how deep and dense they are. And they're not more valuable than other things, but they're, they're dense, you know, and efficient, I guess you could yeah. say it's like, summary point. And so, so when that happens, I tend to think, um, so one thing I try to do is even if there's not something new or fresh that comes to me in it, I just want to meditate on the truth that's actually there and just, just consider that. Like, what is it, what does it mean that God can create in me a new heart, mm. like, and renew a right spirit in me? Like, what does that, what does that even, what does that mean? I say it, we know it, we sing it, but do we really understand it? And I, th- I think what I always find, whether it's John three sixteen or Psalm 23 or Psalm 51 or Romans 5, 8, or any of these others, that when I meditate on those verses, um, I, I will at some point like be challenged by, um, I think the depth, the lack of depth of my understanding, you know, mm, like there'll be yeah. something in there that I may not learn a new thing about the verse, but I'll feel it in a different way or I'll look at it in a different way. And that's ultimately with Psalm 51. That's what I 
came out. And, and this time, that was where the, the whole point of, you know, going on that weird um, illustration of isolating the vocal track, which, by the way, realized very quickly in that illustration that no one knew what I was talking about, which was fantastic. No. <laughs> it's, it's always great to, like, give an illustration. And you're like, you know, it's like this. And just hear it, see blank stares from everyone. Right. Even like three Jeff. people in the crowd who are like, oh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that? Did you have you seen? I've those? seen those before. Okay, well, yeah, but you're a musician, so I, I'm guessing. I can't handle. I've seen like two of them, and then I had to stop because my sympathy embarrassment yes. is so overwhelming. I can't. I, they're unwatchable. For yeah, me, or there's like for me. there's like two people on the planet who sound better like that, right? Who are that good that right. their vocals alone completely carry yeah. everybody else is getting doctored. Yeah. Because it's not even like singing acapella. Cause when you sing acapella, you, you know, you're on display. And so right. I could have gone into that with the illustration that that would be like, you know, your actions are on display right now. And so you're, you're, you're able to hear it and see it better. And you know, like if you're singing acapella, you know, like that's all you can hear. Right. And so, and you're very, but when you're hidden by a band, and you're hidden in a bunch of noise, like you're not, I think, not quite as disciplined about that. You can't hear it like completely well and, and it's meshing in. So it doesn't sound like you're as far off as when you're singing a cappella and you're like, oh. And I, so that angle of it, when David says against you and you only have I sinned, I've definitely looked at that from the angle of like God, our sin is against God. And I mentioned that in the yeah. sermon and, and I've heard a lot of sermons about that. But what struck me was how does he get to that place where he's just here? And and just this idea of um, all of a sudden you can think of all of David's life and all he could use to justify that his actions weren't really that bad or he wasn't really like, yes, this wasn't the best, but he's going to, you know, God's going to work through it because he's a man after God's own heart and all these things. But when you just lay it out there and you're just laid bare like that, um, all of a sudden I see my interactions with people a lot differently because hmm. it's just so hard. It's so hard to, it's so hard to judge a singer when they're surrounded by a lot of background vocalists and a band. And it's so hard to judge our actions when we're surrounded by so much noise and so much other sin is clouding it. Right. That makes sense. That that, and yes, that's, that was the big angle that I looked at it, and I'm going, this is something that I haven't always considered. I've considered my sin is against God, but I haven't always considered what does it look like, especially right now with so much noise and so much sin going on around us. What does it look like to just ignore all of that and then just let let my thoughts, my interactions, my words just kind of sit out there and like you have felt looking at those YouTube videos, it is uncomfortable and embarrassing. And yeah. Yes. Because we like these musicians that are taking advantage of for better or for worse of the tools that are available to fix the tuning and, and, you know, add resonance to the voice and like make all the things that make it sound better and then surround it with music that again, like it sounds good when that's all blended together. We, we, for better or for worse, most, mostly for worse, take advantage of the tools of self-preservation that are surrounding us. And, and I, I try to hide in the noise, right? And then I just kind of pick out like, well, at least I sound better than that thing over there. And and I compare myself to, you know, you or someone else. And, and it's what David is, seems to be doing in that moment is realizing, wait a minute. 
It doesn't matter how I compare to the people around me. I can't look at somebody else and say, well, I'm more righteous than that person, even though in some of his Psalms, he does do that because Mm -hmm. that's his honest thought. Psalm 51 seems to be that place where he comes back and goes, wait a minute. It doesn't matter how righteous I am compared to the people around me. You are the metric, right? You are the measurement. You are the goal. And so how, how righteous I am or am not is based on how much like Christ I am or am not, not whether or not I'm better at following the rules than someone else. And so we, we hide in that noise. And, and what is so extraordinary about what David is confessing in this is just this realization of that is nonsense. Like that is a horrible metric. It really is how much do I look like God, which then should make us feel very uncomfortable right. and lead and lead to the horrifying realization that I am like nowhere nowhere near that and and when we realize that that's when i think psalm 51 should should feel weightier because what i should look at is is as i'm reading that oh it does that like is this easy for me to dismiss do i read versus a confession like this and just kind of wave it off as oh yeah yeah totally got that because if i do that's the to me that's the greatest sign that i don't understand this if right. i can read that and go ah you know, you know, totally got that, understand that, don't need that. That means I do not understand that, and I desperately need that. Yeah, for sure. I think, and those are the, yeah, those are the kinds of basic truths that when we just say, is this reality? So that's going back to the question about familiarity with Scripture. Sometimes just asking myself the question of, is, so this incredible thing, is this a real, reality in my life? Well, asking the question of what would my life look like if I really believed this? And you were talking about like comparing ourselves with God. And yes, that is the case. And that's what David is doing. I just find that even comparing, even like when I isolate my, my reaction, like let's just say in my, in my home, like whether it's with my wife or with my kids, if I, if I just take a minute after a, a, a negative interaction and just isolate my vocal track, if you will, if I just isolate my words, my demeanor, my posture, um, what I find is I don't even have to compare it to God right? to feel conviction. I don't even meet my own standards. It, right. Even comparing it to what I thought I was doing. Hmm. You know, like, have you ever hmm. done that where you're just like, you come out of it and um, maybe somebody says to you, man, you seemed, you seem a little like, you seem a little angry and you're like, no, I didn't. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't, you know, I, to be able to see myself from something, some from another angle, because what I find is that I, not only did I not even meet my own standards, but I didn't meet what I thought I was like. Mm. Like I yeah. thought I was being actually, because what I find is I was remaining calm for the circumstance. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. yes, there's a place for that. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, circumstances never matter and, you know, don't have any compassion for anybody. And, understanding that you know if you didn't sleep at all last night haven't eaten anything like you're gonna be grumpy and you're gonna you know like i'm not saying we don't have compassion for that what i am saying is that when we go before the lord and we're talking about confession of sin that one of the ways that we get to that place here is is by isolating this and saying like no my i don't justify my actions based on other people's sin right like my justification comes from christ alone and that's 
And so that's this beautiful place that you get to is like, yes, you, you get to a place where of course you're calling out for mercy because you realize, holy cow, my posture, my attitude, my words, when I isolate that and just put it before the Lord, it's actually really humiliating and embarrassing mm-hmm. and horrifying. But then you realize, okay, so my justification isn't in what those circumstances were. Now the freedom of realizing my justification is found in the cross. That that's why, like when I receive that and, and God saying like, yes, I've been waiting for you in this. Mm. Like I wasn't, I wasn't trying, like God's not, it's not like rubbing a puppy's face in his, in his mess. It's just saying like, I've been waiting for you to realize this so that you can actually receive what I have. Because if, if I justify myself, then I'm the one giving myself a renewed spirit. And I put quotes, you can't see that. It turns out air quotes don't work so well on audio formats. No, not so much. So I was a quote quote unquote renewed spirit is what I'm giving myself, which is not right. I can't give myself a clean heart. I can't renew a right spirit in myself. But if I justify myself based on other people's behavior or actions or what's going on around me, then that's exactly what I'm going. And God's saying, I have something better. Don't justify yourself. Let me justify you. And then I get to be the one to give you a clean heart and a, a renewed right spirit. That's really good. End quote. <laughs> no air quotes in that. No air quotes. No. An actual renewed spirit, an right. actually justified heart, an actual righteousness. And that's the path to it. So the thing is, if you want that, then you have to go through this where you your sin gets laid before the Lord and you're justified by him and him alone. And this is mm-hmm. critical. Like, So I think about real life situations like this. This happens in marriages. It happens in parenting. It happens in the workplace. It happens right now politically with things going on. It happens on social media. We are in all kinds of environments right now where we are in denial of our own sin, or at least we we defer judgment on our own sin or we defer all that because we think we're in a because we're in the right. And we look around, like I mentioned too, that the, you you look around, it's so easy to find enemies and to think, well, then that means I'm on God's side. Like we look at how God is on our side. And if God is for us, who could be against us? And we kind of, we feel like that's also flipped around. Like I'm on God's side. Like, no, we're not. Right. Like God, <laughs> God can be on my side and he can be on the side of the person who's arguing with me. Yeah. Yep. And he can also be against, he can be against both of our sin and he can be on both of our sides in the sense that he wants both of us to be renewed and to be, to have this new heart created that it's not, he's not on my side against you. Right. He's, he's on the side of those who would seek him. And so. And he is against the sin in my heart and life. And as he is against the sin in your heart and your life and my greatest enemies heart and life like that that is a difficult thing for us to understand because it's our natural inclination is to think in more tangible terms of us and them and god is with us and not them but god defines us and them differently than we do correct which means there's a lot of like, I mean, and, and we see that in scripture, Jesus himself, when the disciples come to him and say like, Hey, stop those guys from doing this because they're not with us. But Jesus says, well, no, they're not with us, but they are with me. Like not with uh, and your, your definition right. of us, but they are with me because they are actually doing my work. So don't stop them from doing my work. And, and we, 
we forget that that is how Jesus defined it, that he reminds the apostles, your us is not the same thing as my us. I, I get to define that and and you are to love them because you don't yet know if that's your brother or you're your enemy. So I tell you to love both because you don't yet know if that's if that's us or them. Right. Um, and he says he'll he'll sort all that out later. Right. Anyway. Like That's you, his you, job, not yeah. my job. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think we've solved everything with that one. Uh, do, do you feel like, so what do you, uh, let me ask you this though. What what do you do then with passages like this that are so familiar and have maybe even been ingrained in, you know, via song or like, what are the the pros and the cons um, or the challenge? I guess I shouldn't say pros and cons. Cause I think we would always say we should always be so familiar, like God help us, yeah. like let it be so that we would be so familiar with all of scripture that we that every time this is the issue like it's not just when we do Psalm 23 and Psalm 51 it'd be like every time but what are the challenges and the potentials would you say man well i think one of the challenges is understanding there's different types of familiar right there is there's mm. the familiar that's like this is so old and stale and yeah yada 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 i know where this is going familiar and then there is a very endearing familiar right so that that movie that you love you are excited about that scene that is coming up that you've seen 50 times before because you love that scene and there's an excitement in that familiarity when you love like you have your favorite place to hike or your favorite fishing spot or your favorite hunting spot like it's the we're coming up on that bend that leads to this and whatever and that familiarity is is endearing and is and stirs your affection I I pray I never get to a place where my familiarity with my wife leads me to feel like blah 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 same old woman like coming home to the same old you know she woman says the like, same things or... I know like we all these memories together that we've shared like like those are the, like that familiarity is what like, I don't like that Robbie it stirs my love like right. it stirs right. my affection yep. I love all of that familiarity and it makes it makes the beautiful times more beautiful and mm. and allows us to find joy in the difficult times because all of that familiarity helps me understand, well, this is why she reacts this way. Or we've been through things like this in the past and we got even better, you know, it, we grew through that. Like all of that familiarity fl- like breeds growth and, and affection and flourishing. So... I don't like looking at it as just, is familiarity good or bad? How do we fight familiarity? To your point, we should have a ton of familiarity with scripture and it should be the kind that stirs our affection. We should get to a Psalm 51 and go, yes, Psalm 51, like Psalm 23, John 316. Like that familiarity should stir in us a, oh, this is my favorite part. Like, I love this. This takes me right back to being a kid singing about this. Mm-hmm. This takes me like, so my first question is, what kind of familiarity do I have toward this? And if it is a, you know, like a cold, detached, uh, this thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. I get this. Like, that should be my first red flag to say, I don't know this. If I don't love it, then I don't know it because God's word is is a wonder to behold and if and if my familiarity with it leads me to a a staleness and a any detached familiarity 
then I don't know his word. And I certainly don't know him. I'm not, I'm not seeing him right. and his love, his steadfast faithfulness in that. Um, something is going askew in me that is preventing me from engaging in the beauty that is in that. So if I approach that and I go, man, this is, this is that same old, my first step is how on earth have I let this get to the place where it feels like that? And then, and then I want yeah. to like wrestle with that until I see that beauty again. Like until I, like the word says, like you've lost your first love. He doesn't say that's a bummer. Oh, well, like he, he says, so pursue it again. So right. I want to go, okay, why doesn't Psalm 51 stir the same sort of passion in me that it used to? I want to, I want to dwell in it, meditate on it, spend time in it until, until I'm reminded of what is so extraordinary and beautiful in this, in the same way that I would go, man, like my relationship with my wife right now is feeling kind of stale. Like what we've kind of just fallen into some routines where we're sort of like, we're not aligning up. Like my response to that is we need to get away for a couple of days. Like we need to, we need to put some work into falling in love again and like just remind each other of how much we love one another so that we can stoke that affection again. Um, I, I want to have that, that much and even more intentionality in my pursuit of delighting in the word, delighting in God and, and, and having the, the right kind of familiarity. So it's really good. I, that last part there, I mean, so we talk a lot about reading scripture and being like head, heart, hands. And like, do I understand this intellectually? Do I, um, you know, obedience, those are two that we tend to do a lot or we talk about a lot, you know, or that as an American church, we do that. But this heart piece is like, why is it good news? Like, do I love what this says? Because yeah. yep. what, what strikes me about that, the parallel there, the illustration of with you and your wife, you know, you and drawing away, like you said, you know, Stacy and you need, would need to go out, you know, and go for a couple of days. Well, the reason why that works is because you love her to begin with and you want that. Right. And you, and you are hopeful that a couple of days away would actually stoke the, and not make it worse. And right. I think what happens sometimes when we read scripture that we become familiar with, but we don't actually dig into it and let our affections be stirred and we don't see how it's good news. Mm then we don't think spending more time in it, we don't really have a hope. It, it's kind of like, you know, we've had seen that hard situations. Like there's a place that you can get in a marriage where you don't think more time is going to be the answer. You think that's only going to make it worse because you don't, you may not even, you don't want those fires to be stoked again. Right. Or you, you've become complacent where you, you prefer your detached state than to yes. try to re-engage. And that can happen in our faith with scripture. And when we come up to passages where we're like, oh, this old song again, like, oh, yeah, I already know this. Um, that should be like a little warning flag. That should be a red flag a in our mind. Flag. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, a big one where you say, wait, why would I feel that way? Like, why would I, am I, have I become complacent in my faith where I've just been like content with what I have and I don't want more? of right. Jesus. I don't want more of the spirit. I don't, um, or it, it could also be, I think a sign. I think most often when we say that, like you, to your point about the familiarity is what we're saying is I'm intellectually familiar with it. Yes. But what I find is that the, then the difference there really is the heart. Like this is what you're talking about. So, so if you find yourself, I'm so familiar with it. Yep. I've heard it. I've, 
I've read that. I've seen that. I, I, I know, um, then chances are you're just intellectually familiar with it. I would argue you're probably not even hands familiar with it. You're not even obedience right. familiar with it. But either way, it's detached. There are passages where you can say, yeah, yeah, no, I know I'm supposed to do that. I know I'm supposed to give. I know I'm supposed to care for the poor. But but to pause and ask, but why is it good news? Why is it good news that God commands us to give financially? Why is it good news that God calls us to care for the widow and the orphan? Like, what's good news about that? Why is Why should that stir our affection? Because... Everything in scripture, not only is it breathed out by God and, and useful for, you know, for uh, instruction and in, in how to live like this, this life that we're called to live, but it's, it's, it's supposed to stir our hearts. Like it's, it's, the Bible is full of good news. And um, even when it's seemingly painful on the front end, like there is good news. And so when you read Psalm 51, like the good news is there that God forgives, that can forgive us of anything and not only that but he stands ready to create in us a clean heart he can give us a clean heart that, that's good news so that for the person who feels like they what they've done is so um so terrible or so uh repetitive hmm. to know like you don't that doesn't have to be you anymore yeah. like you yeah. are god creates in you a clean heart like it's a new creation that, that's incredible news that's something that nobody else like the world can talk about making amends the world can talk about like redeeming yourself. The world can talk about making changes and turn like, but, but they can't talk about being made new. Hmm. They can't talk about the, the power that says you aren't who you used to be. That's right. And it's not this uphill climb. It's like God actually gives you this new. So there's, there's incredible good news. So I, I love that. I would encourage anybody that feels overly familiar with a passage, ask the question, why, how is this good news? Why is this good news? And am I experiencing this? You just, <laughs> I can't help it, man. You, I know you're trying to be subtle. Robbie just subtly tied a bow. I didn't know what you were doing. If you're like you casting just a spell. what I was doing. Well, it took me a little bit. As I'm saying it, I'm looking at you doing like little, like Robbie has sculptor hands. So he's very like, has very fluid hand motions. I'm like a, I'm like a bull, a disoriented bull, just like with my hand motions. But Robbie like has like, you could be a magician. You could have been so a magician. So let this be a lesson to all of our listeners. Don't ever Should give me nonverbal cues. in a social en environment and you're trying to give nonverbal cues to Jay. Subtle non He's going to be the one who's saying, what? What is that? What? You want to leave? You're tired of listening to them? Okay. Okay. We can leave now yep. if that's what you want. Yep. That full full disclosure. Don't do that to me. You give me, uh, yeah. That's probably. I'm gonna process it out loud. I'm an external processor. You are an external processor. So you were saying I should tie a bow on it, or that was a good bow. I was. I was saying yes. I was. I was miming to you. Wrap it up. Land the was, plane. That's a great. That's a great place to finish. People which, wish. People wish you would do that on Sundays. Well. Uh, does it? But it's not going to work. You're gonna. You're gonna then say, "Oh, Robbie's in the back of the room." I would definitely do that. something would, that's implying I should be finishing this up right 100% here. 100% would do that. <laughs> yes, you would. So I'll, I'll go ahead and put a bow on this. <laughs> wrap it up. I'm in air quotes. Air quotes wrapping up. Thank you so much for listening to both our nonsense and what is hopefully by God's grace uh, encouraging and beneficial 
Uh, we love you, church, and it is, our, it is our privilege to get to serve you in all the ways that God allows. So if we can continue to do that in specific ways, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at connect at faithpeshtigo.com, or you can grab one of us on a Sunday morning. We, we would love to hear uh, the ways that God is teaching you and encouraging you, and if you have any questions as you're reading his word, we would be happy to answer those, and maybe that would be helpful enough uh, to others that we would turn it into a future podcast. So we would love to hear from you. We love you, church. Grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm.